two days in a row here, he's made this really difficult, hasn't he? back everybody to another episode of uncaged with myself ben pollard and my good friend dan fisher watching nicholas cage film every day for 100 days and today you join us on episode 14 we've hit the fortnight mark on our nick cage it feels like more a thon <laughs> yes today was definitely uh today we watched time to kill it's from 1989 ever heard of that before today no neither will i watch it again after today no. We've been handed a double bill of absolute stinkers from Nick here. Yesterday, obviously, we tried something a bit different and watched something that he essentially cameos in, and we concluded that Nicholas played a mean prank on us. Serves us right, we walk straight into it. This one, with Nick Cage in the lead role, he stills serves up a hot plate of cold garbage. Yeah, it's... This was a film that was all over the place but cage is at the center of that in honesty he was handing in some low tier performance in a subpar film and it begs a lot of questions but to give a bit of context for anyone listening at home i'll quickly go through and just describe what happens in the film so everyone kind of knows where we're at with this and then we can go and and pick it apart a bit i'm sure we both got a couple notes and a couple a couple bones to pick Okay, yeah, yeah. If you want to give a quick synopsis, and then we can we can dive into some of the madness of this weird little film. So, um, this film. Last time we saw Nicholas, he was uh, driving back home to LA after becoming a vampire. Obviously, he stops off in the, the desert briefly. He obviously had turned into a vampire, but the infection he's received from the bite, mixed with his you know innate inborn rage abilities, it triggers the start of this weird sort of mutation in him. His body begins to like manifest strange new features, his nose extends, his hair becomes really douchey. He can stand in the sunlight now as a vampire, but at what cost, you know? He's able to go in the sun now. He's essentially a day-walking vampire, but he's really struggling to cope with all the mood swings and the thirst of blood he's got now that he's gone back for LA. He digs deep into his rage ability, and as we know, that's how he treats triggers his time travel so he goes back in time to 1930 to zimbabwe as a matter of fact to uh to try seek a cure for everything that's going on unfortunately for poor nick after mistakenly sharing a cigarette with a cursed lizard that stings him with a virus in his hand he starts to contract a wear virus he begins to panic knowing that his transformation into kind of like a half vampire half wear lizard half douche man in red sports car will continue when the next time the full moon gets covered up you'll remember there's a scene in it with a full moon gets covered with a cloud that's when he starts to panic well shall we start to talk about the lizard to begin with because if anyone deserves to get anything from this lizard it's nick at this point who decides for no reason at all to put a lit cigarette into the lizard's mouth this whole film is sort of about uh it's a story of karma at it at its finest really yeah like, the only reason he got into this situation and became a vampire in the first place is because he was being retulous, retul what's the word? Lecherous. He was being lecherous and entitled to that woman, just assuming he could take her back, and he gets turned into a vampire and his life falls apart. And much right here, like he thinks he's doing a joke for no one in particular, picks up a lizard he sees and puts a lit cigarette into its mouth, which I will say not a nice thing to do on camera but it was pretty funny i mean the, the imagery of it's funny when you think it's not real but it was definitely and that's but 
I'm I'm aware that the BBFC actually removed that scene from the UK version of this film. Unsurprisingly, because it's animal abuse. Yeah, it it adds absolutely nothing to the film, and it's just kind of if anything, just makes you more infuriated at the lack of character and imagination that we really see in this picture. So fortunately, he gets his comeuppance when this lizard stings him in his in his left hand. He's holding it with. I he, think that this might be the loosest interpretation of leprosy I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up in a sports car. <laughs> but interestingly, no one at any point says that he has leprosy. I I was very keen to listen out that no one actually outright says that. At one point, he just refers to it as a mysterious disease. And I'd say being stung by a were-lizard whilst you're a vampire is pretty bloody mysterious. At the same time, it really couldn't happen to a worse guy. This guy sucks. This is the shittiest of the Nick Cage characters we've had yet. Yep, this guy is a real bottom dweller. Awful, entitled, again, just like creepy and unpleasant around women there's a within the first half an hour or so of the film uh he sees a lady bathing and whilst air quotes asking her for directions is taking off more and more of his clothes as he does so very strange he never gets in the water he just has to show his body to her um and then lo and behold less than 50 minutes later on he shot her dead that was a bit of a weird moment because it is an accidental shooting but you don't really put it past the character to begin with he shows no remorse he ends up shooting her kind of execution style um a few hours later as he's aware that she's going to bleed out this this one to me really i was kind of stuck with why would he take this role well that's a great question and there's a certain way that you'd phrase that (laughs) what were you thinking i've crossed i've crossed the ball in and you've hit it you've dialed it straight in on the volley there ben yeah (laughs) (laughs) alley-oop I really am struggling to grasp why he'd make this film, other than the fact that not many people want to touch him after Vampire's Kiss. But I I really, really am struggling to see how this has happened. I think it's pretty obvious why he took this role, Daniel. At this point, we know Nick is developing a fascination with animals, and this was essentially a shopping trip for him to... I did wonder if there's a scene with a crocodile. Is, is this Nick's crocodile we're seeing? I think he took it as part payment for the role quite frankly i'm pretty sure that he would have he would have taken this role so he could essentially do a zimbabwean shopping trip for all the animals he's adding to his private zoo later down the line for someone that owns the animals he does you can kind of see why you kind of come to that conclusion but at no point does he ever seem bothered by the animals there's a there's a moment where he tries to shoot a hyena but other than that he comes up fairly close to a crocodile and just seems to be like Oh. Well, he's just checking it out. I think that's not even acting. I think he's turning around. The, oh, is, is he turning around to say, how much? Yeah. <laughs> oh, how much? What deal can you do me? I've already bought a shark. I've already bought a shark. How can you... <laughs> you want to throw this one in? <laughs> can you do me two for one? <laughs> no? Okay. God, throw in the croc. <laughs> throw in crocolus. Yeah, I'm almost certain <laughs> that's why he took this role. He wanted to. He wanted to see that part of the world, not really act too hard in it, you know, and, but I'm pretty sure they gave the role because also within this crazy first 30 minutes of the film, the opening line Nick Cage delivers, he says, Toothache is killing me. 30 minutes later, he's having that same tooth removed, sub-anesthesia from a doctor. We know full well that this man has done this before. I'm certain that's why they hired him. That's the first notes that I made on this, is the fact that for someone who has already removed two of his teeth for a role, which he wasn't asked to do without anaesthetic, he takes this 
two for him would seem very poorly. <laughs> but I think that's why they would have hired him for it. They were like, you can actually draw on real life experience for yeah. it. He lets off one of my favourite shrieks from him so far, in his fairness. Like, he really is... It's a really pained scream and we haven't got a lot of them from him. So it was interesting to see what he did with that. And as a man that has experienced that firsthand, he he does a good job, I think. I don't know. I've never had a tooth removed with no anaesthetic. Yeah, I've, I've never been in that particular position in a tent in Africa having a tooth removed <laughs> by a stranger. So I'm going to theorise that, yeah, I probably shriek in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he did a, a fairly good job there. This does lead into one of my favourite moments of the film, where one of the workers informs uh, Nicolas Cage's character of a shortcut to the next base that he's trying to get to. Ooh, I know and the then for the... I'm not really sure who this is for decides that he's going to mansplain what a shortcut means. <laughs> he, he repeatedly says the word shortcut over again, over and over again, describes how the shortcut works, describes what a shortcut is, tells him again that it's a shortcut, <laughs> tells him then that it's going to get him there quicker, and then tells him the directions. <laughs> Actually, you're completely right. But I took that whole scene as that entire scene where Cage and this, this other officer from one of the, the other camps was really flirty. Those guys had some on-screen heat, and I don't know if that was intentional or what. I think but... he might have wanted to take the shortcut with him. Yeah, I, honestly, like that's all. Providing he knew what the shortcut was. To me, that's why he kept saying it so much and was like showing off that he knew what a shortcut was in the first place, because <laughs> he was keen. He wanted some cage, but it didn't happen. Nick was completely oblivious to all the signs. Although I don't know, it felt like he was flirting back he, a little he, bit. He gave so... him a cigarette for his troubles. Yeah, you know, they, they shared a little moment. There's that moment where he's he even asks back. It's like, if this is a shortcut, why don't you know? If it's that easy, why isn't everyone taking it? And the guy just doesn't respond. Yeah, <laughs> and it's always there. Like, but then that never really gets answered. There was a, a really nice bit on it here, but again, plays completely into what we've said about this man not being able to eat on screen. There's two <laughs> examples right at the very end where he's lying there and he's ill, and someone comes in and is giving him some bread, saying, Eat, eat, and he's like, I can eat. And I just shouted at my computer, Yeah, I know. But the man's like, you have to. And he was like, I can't. I think that was very literal. Um, and then earlier in the film, where after he's met this young woman in the, the, the waterfall bath section, she, from nowhere, brings over a tray of eggs, which they share together. But he, it's bizarre. He, he cracks the top of the egg with uh, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Like a penknife. He cracks the, the very top of the penknife and then just sucks the egg out from inside the shell without breaking it. That's not how it's done, Nick. Something else that happens in this scene where Nicholas is he's in the car with one of the other officers and they're driving along. I think it's just after he's been furloughed. A lot of confusion around the furlough scene, but I'll we'll circle back to that. It's weird hearing the word furlough not in the context of real life right now. They're driving along and this plays into a great... Cage fact you told me recently about when he was recording on the crudes and how he forced the staff there to waterboard him for his sound. There's also a part in this film, Time to Kill, where they're driving along and he decides he's ill. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And he runs up to a bucket of water to get a drink, but instead of scooping it into his mouth, just plunges his entire head in and begins to drink. Yeah. And this is. A man who is just on a mission to be waterboarded. He doesn't care who does it. He doesn't care if he has to do it himself. He needs it. Crazy. The, the, it, my favourite bit of that is when it just pans across to the shots of the locals who are just staring at him, just like, man, <laughs> this guy can't eat or drink. 
This guy sucks. <laughs> does, yeah, he can't do the most basic actions on the screen. Every, every time this guy gets a drink, he just downs it. He doesn't know there's another option. We should talk about Nick's performance in this. It really felt phoned in. I think he basically got paid up front with his crocodile. And after that point, he was like, there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. So he just he just turned up. I'd say as much as he was probably the weakest part of this film, he was the leader. Yeah. The supporting cast were pretty good. Coming off of the films that he's done and the fact that we know he's given everything into a budget film about a vampire, and he really did give his all there. Oh, yeah. And I just wonder off the back of that, what his acting choices were in this because it's so reserved it's so that there's it's just it's, it's not the cage that we've come to expect and it's dis, it's disappointing and i wonder when they cast him and then got this performance from him it's so it's so uninspired you can tell it's like he doesn't want to be a part of it that's the exact word i would choose it was just he read the lines essentially on the script yeah like there's no real acting there's a couple of bits where he yells but now we know that he's actually anyone able could have to, done that yeah like i mean it it feels signature because it's his voice and obviously his face that's doing it but it's Compared to now what we've seen that he can do and how he can actually rein that in and control it, this feels like a complete mess. This feels like something we should have watched in the week one. I re- And I really struggled with that, considering how strong I felt his acting was going in this first kind of five to six films. To have this one f- 14 in just, just seems like a huge step back. Maybe he struggled with the change of climate. Maybe. You know, I think this is his first film not filmed in the united states of america so maybe this is why he took it but maybe once he got there he he struggled a bit more or maybe he was going full method and contracted leprosy i mean there's always that anyway (laughs) you really can't put it past him at this point listen we've been throwing a lot of scorn this man's way including you know accusing him of maybe having leprosy that's why i did such a bad job that's not a cool (laughs) thing to do i apologize but it would be really great if we could lift spirits a little bit and i could hear you Please, for God's sake, God damn sake, Daniel, be nice to Nicky. Two days in a row here, he's made this really difficult, hasn't he? This is, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, before we go into be nice to Nicky here, we need to confirm that this is the worst character he's played. Not not just in acting sense, this guy is just an arsehole. Yeah, the, the character is awful, so few redeeming qualities and... The way the character acts in a certain scene in the first third of the film makes it so hard to be along for the journey yeah. with the character for the rest of it. Uh, so it was it was definitely a tough watch because in no way are you rooting for the guy at all. No. I mean, the moment I thought that he had leprosy, so the spoiler alert here, it turns out that he doesn't and he was just freaking out about it. But um, I was quite disappointed, to be honest, to find out he didn't have leprosy. The moment I found out he did have it, I was just like, yeah, that's that's what you get. Agreed. I was like, it's so difficult to root for this guy. But you're going to right now. I know. <laughs> um, great crocodile, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the exact one he got. If we're speculating that it's his crocodile, then sure. I mean, he got a good one. I don't know how much he paid for it, if he got good value for money. But, man, there's really not much to take from this. There's obviously a, there's a moment he gives a cigarette to his newfound friend or love interest. I thought that was nice <laughs> that he wasn't afraid to go that was, there. That was very nice of Nicky, but I don't feel like I want to be nice to Nicky because of it. So you're going to go with good choice of croc? Yeah, great crocs. 
Yeah, Crocolus is a good addition to the zoo. You chose well. That's that's all I can really get from this. There's no other moments of joy that I found in this film. There is one great line of dialogue right at the very, very end of the film where he's uh, he meets up with the elder villager of the place he's staying and he <laughs> explains to him, I'm sick to the soul! <laughs> Yeah. I'm sick to the soul is a very funny line. But again, completely out of line with the rest of the character. It's it's the most dialed in, like, cage almost freak out that we've seen yet, where it's just he's aware that he can do it. He's now aware that he probably wants more money to unleash. But this is just so reined in. For, it's so just like, oh, yeah, I'll just do one off the cuff. Yeah, why not? Like, none of this was at all meaningful. You got one. I'll give you one. I'll tell you um, my my favourite line of the film. Okay. So he kind of, he catches the general and finds out that he's stealing from the army itself uh, alcohol supplies and money. And in order to try and be stowaways to get back to Italy, he finds out he needs to pay 30,000 lira to some locals to get on a ship secretly. Um, So he steals from the general. Mm, Yes. But there's a moment... um, before this where he takes his satchel uh takes all of the money and everything and then just goes uh, i'm done here this is the end of the line for me i'm gonna walk and the guy's just like if this isn't a joke then i order you to get back here and then he just keeps he just keeps walking it's like nope not a joke i'm done and uh the general just yeah that was him it's very similar to these moments we said that it's like the line should have ended but they feel like they can get away with swearing, so they do. And he just gives a big, fuck you and fuck off. <laughs> that was a highlight for me as well. Again, oh, I the really supporting cast that. in this are really good. They've got some really fun... Everyone else tried really hard. Yeah, this clearly. Is just... So it's a shame to see that two weeks into this, I don't know how many weeks this ends up totaling at, quite a lot, already that Nick is just... It felt like he thought he was above it. What I've definitely felt with this film, and this will play quite nicely into the next segment I'm about to bring up, but I definitely feel like Nick Cage in this film feels like he is hot shit. Yeah, I feel like he really does think he's better than this film. And that was hard to watch. I mean, he's definitely better than the character. I think maybe he struggled to kind of get on board with playing. I mean, for the last few films, he's kind of been... He's always kind of a dick, but he's somewhat lovable. Yeah. Whereas this was just just a horrible bastard speaking of which to really decide how horrible he was it's time for cage man i'm glad that we've got the re- the return of the real bell and not the knockoff one that we had <laughs> yep. yesterday's edition i'm back with my water bottle i've chucked the mug back <laughs> in the machine right let's i feel like this is going to be a pretty one-sided game yeah so for, yeah, we've got um Nick Cage's character Enrico from Time to Kill versus the current reigning champion Peter Lowe from Vampire's Kiss. So straight off the bat, Peter Lowe absolutely batters a lamp, whereas this guy bullies a lizard. Yeah, strength. Yeah, exactly. Strength-wise, I mean, they're both picking on something smaller than them, but lamp versus lizard, it's an easy game. Peter Lowe takes it in strength. Next category we have is likability. I mean... I don't know if you've been listening to this show so far today, but uh, not big fans, not big Enrico fans over here. I mean, let, let's let's be realistic here when it comes to likability of the two. These are both awful, awful people. Yeah, not not great people, but so it's sort of a like who lost the least. Peter Peter Lowe is immediately more likable. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Peter Lowe is a horrible, horrible person. 
but there's kind of a couple of likable elements to him. There's that one little moment where he felt like my sweet little brother and he's all excited to become a vampire. Yeah, he like, still has like a very childish innocence to him and doesn't seem to understand the consequences, whereas this uh, Enrico is just horrible. Yeah, like, This is an easy 2-0 here to our Easy 2. Next up, we have Agility. Oh. Now, this one is a bit more challenging. I mean, do we see any amount of uh, agility from Enrico in this? I mean, he gets lost immediately on the shortcut, which couldn't have been more heavily described. <laughs> yeah, plus, you know, fuck that guy. Yeah, should we just should we just write this off as a fucking 5-0? I mean, well, when we look at other categories, which are in appearance, where we do have vampire teeth, though I must say, this is probably the most handsome Cage has looked on screen, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he does have the moment where he does come out fully clean-shaven for, for a while. And it, he does. He does look good. He looks but... really good, but that's not going to be enough to to clinch it because he never wears vampire teeth. And when we come to the final category of cage, ah, come on, <laughs> yeah, easy he's, game. He's, he's lost on all five here. This is not even close. This was a let's uh, hard hard loss. Let's wrap up talking about this piece of shit film by yeah, please <laughs> declaring once and for all: is this a cage classic? No. Absolutely not. This is the opposite of a Cage classic. This this is abysmal. Avoid this film. I don't see any real redeeming factors to it. It's just just not good. Yep. Uh, even the fact that this was readily available to watch in full on YouTube, uh, there was a great <laughs> moment in it where it suddenly cut to Italian dubbing during a Cage screaming scene. That was quite entertaining. I'd love to know what he did say there. Very interesting to see just his face doing it and not hearing the voice that was a bit of a disconnect that i i must admit i enjoyed this time around this film is only worth watching for the heads that are interested in what happens to peter lowe after the fact and how he you know how he learns to overcome this vampirism he's going through it'll be interesting to see how uh peter slash nick is doing next time when we join him tomorrow for Wild at Heart. Yeah. A rather heralded film by a few people. Really? I know nothing about this one other than the fact that he plays Sailor Ripley. To my knowledge, and this time tomorrow I may well stand corrected, but to my knowledge he plays someone who is essentially an Elvis impersonator. Oh, perfect. So that is just fantastic that he goes on to marry that man's daughter. We've also got some... Uh... Some recurring characters in this one. No. We've got the return of Crispin Glover. Really? That is so ridiculous. Coming back as a character called Dell, a little bit further down the uh, the cast uh, as far as their build. He's slipping. We also have an appearance from Willem Dafoe. Oh, sick. I've been looking forward to see the two Green Goblins yeah. together on the screen for quite some time. It's about time. Looking at the calendar, the next week coming up for Daniel and I is going to be a bit more difficult. There are not a lot of film names I recognise. That might be on me. There might be some bangers in there. Yeah, we're, we're back to a TV movie. I mean, in the next week we'll be doing... So, Wild at Heart, Firebirds, Industrial Symphony Number no. 1, The Dream of the Brokenhearted. Yes. Uh, Zandali, Honeymoon in Vegas, and Amos and Andrew. Amos and Andrew... Cage co-stars alongside Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, and uh, and Red Rock West. Red Rock West, a round off the week. Which is, I believe, it's the se Okay, so Red Rock West is one of his highest uh, rated films 
as far as uh, online review sites such as Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, which I found really bizarre considering it comes out the same year as Deadfall, which is his absolutely worst reviewed film. I think we I think we go between Deadfall having a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes to a 95% rating for Red Rock West. So let's see how we can pull it back from this kind of rut that we found him in in the last couple of films. And let's see him start to build it back up into that first week. We're currently in the planning process to do some sort of live streamed event where we can watch the film online with a bunch of other people that follow the show if that sounds like something you're interested in check us out on instagram and on twitter currently at at cagecast where we'll try to put more info up about that we're going to be watching that film on <laughs> we're going to be watching that film on 420 in the oh my year God. 2020 on the fourth month we're going to be watching that film on 420 420 people i mean i can i can assure you as someone that's watched it before it is the perfect film for such an occasion yes so april 20th 2020 more details will be online uh we're looking forward to hanging out with some of you and watching what i've been assured is peak cage yeah, this this to me is I've been most excited about this, and uh, I tried to explain the the jump from the acting he's done into Vampire's Kiss. Obviously, it seems like it goes from zero to a hundred, even though he's already been going quite strange. This feels like another zero from a hundred, as if Vampire's Kiss is completely normal. What? It's the most outrageous thing I think I've ever seen. And it's completely, completely deserving of that 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm really excited to share that day with you, Ben. This is going to be a good time. Okay, Daniel, that's it. We, we're we wrapping up our second week. Well, give, me a, give me a quick moment here, because there's something I'd like to hit you with. Okay. We've been saying about how this has started to affect us and the fact that we both had uh, recurring cage dreams. Yep, he visited me again last night. I want to make you feel a little bit better about that. Okay. And talk about... The dreams of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh my goodness. How do you have access to this? Well, I... <laughs> Who do you we've, know? We've, we've merged. We've become one giant dragon. Wow. And now... <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just wanted to speculate. Uh, he once uh, wrote... I'm trying to find the exact article here because I can't remember who published this. But he was uh, said that he was having recurring dreams. Um, what would you speculate that someone like Nicolas Cage would have uh, recurring dreams or nightmares about? Interesting. So dreams are obviously a place where you can ostensibly live out your greatest fantasies and have access to anything you want. Thanks for that, Ben. If you could explain shortcuts to me next, then that would be... <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> moreover, my point was, I was thinking about Nick Cage today and what I would get him if i had to get him a present oh that's um, good and i i really struggle because what do you get the man that has everything you know so what does a man who has everything dream about but i think his dreams would be about being completely unknown i think this man dreams about uh going traveling through space to other planets uh, to a place no one knows him I'm not sure of their dreams. I think that's genuinely what he does. I mean, we know he's been able to traverse through time, certainly so far. So space is surely just around the corner for the man. As far as nightmares go, I think he's being chased by Ghost Rider. <laughs> what I like about this is that it's only listed as a recurring dream and he never specifies whether this is a nightmare or something that he's kind of into. <laughs> so I'm going to just quote this direct. Please. He's had a recurring dream for years about a giant blonde genie woman in a gold bikini, plucking him from his toilet seat through the window like a bizarre Twilight Zone King Kong scene. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
And I think that's probably enough for this today, isn't it? Him waking up in a cold sweat with a huge erection, being like, how do I feel? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't stop being any more ridiculous two weeks in, does it? Yeah, two weeks in. Still just as fascinating. So how t- two weeks in? How are, how are you feeling about this project? Now? You want a vibe check? Yeah. Uh, today well, today is a beautiful day. Obviously, everyone has to stay inside because of the current quarantine situation with COVID nineteen. But today was a day it felt really. I looked at the runtime of this film and I is the first time I went. There's one hundred minutes. I'm already sure I'm not gonna enjoy. And maybe that did affect the film. Actually, what am I talking about? It was garbage. I'm feeling okay about it, but I think this next week is gonna. We're gonna need each other. <laughs> yeah, I, it hasn't been helped. This has probably been the nicest weather we've had in a long time, and we're not allowed to go outside. And all we're allowed to do is just stare at Nick Cage's ridiculous face. Yeah, and when he phones it in like this, it doesn't make it any easier. You have those days where sometimes you don't even want to watch a good film, and I, I think we've had a couple of those where it's not been the film's fault, but I've just not wanted to spend the time with him. Nope, agreed. I think if someone else had been cast in this, I could have had a good time with it, but because it was Nick, and I know he can do better, it made it, it made it difficult. Yeah, like this, this could have not been terrible. But I'm not going to go any more into that because it was. It can't be changed now. Too it's bad. Damage is done. It's rubbish. It's absolute crap. It's garbage. It's trash. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us, Daniel. Always a pleasure. Yep. Nick, come on, boy. Come on. Yeah, this is this is becoming a recurring thing here. This is more recurring than your weird genie dreams that you're just playing bad roles. Stop this. Let's get back. Let's get back on track with tomorrow's wild at heart. And like we say. Every day on Uncaged, despite all my rage, I'm still hanging out in the cage. Bye, everyone. See ya.